Welcome to Creative Chat, the show in which creativity is celebrated and explored with a little therapy thrown in. Each show brings artists from different modalities together to discuss their art, their creative process, and how we all are interconnected. Tune in today to find out how with your host, Dr. Judy Bloom and entertainer Richard Skipper. Here we are. Hello, Judy. <laughs> Hello, Richard. How are you? I am doing great. I did something this weekend that I have not done for four years, and Uh-oh. I felt literally like I had been shot out of a cannon, and that was that I did my first cabaret show again. After, right. you know, And here it is, cabaret month. It just so happens that it happened on Sunday, sold out house. The response has been phenomenal. And, you know, I'll talk to you about this because it's almost like this imposter syndrome took over. Everyone's raving about the show, all the feedback and everything. And I'm going, are they being honest with me? Are they telling me the truth? Are they just saying this because they're my friends, whatever? And, you know, all these things that you work towards and you believe, you mm-hmm. want to believe that they're being sincere and honest with you. But it was just, I can't even explain everything that was swirling around me. Uh, but it was just an interesting feeling after four years of mm-hmm. doing it again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard to, re- to resume something that we haven't done in a while. And, I, you know, I think that it, it does, of course, you know, give us self-doubt about whether we can still pull it off, <laughs> right? You know, essentially. But your friends would tell you if it didn't work, okay? So trust your friends. If they're telling you that was amazing, then it was amazing. And you're going to do it again. You're going to D.C. with it, right? I'm, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> because I would like to share with everyone, we have a little quick promo for my show in Washington, D.C. Uh, I will be performing at Crazy Aunt Helen's on this Saturday night at eight o'clock. And from what I understand, it's selling very well. Uh, I'd like to thank Parker Nolan who made this all happen. And our first guest tonight is also in that, uh, is gonna be performing later this week. Uh, But here's uh, the little promo that we put together. And then we will talk about our first guest on the other side of this. done <laughs> so where does this the plate spinners and the jugglers are, are, are these hidden talents of yours richard that i don't know about well i am going to explain the title which i talk about in the show years ago uh when i was appearing in san francisco this goes back to 2000 when i won my first mac award uh i was uh the toast of san francisco And uh, they were going to be doing the first ever San Francisco Cabaret Convention. And Donald Smith, who created the Cabaret Convention, it's the Mabel Mercer Cabaret Convention, he was asked if I was going to be appearing in the Cabaret Convention. And he said, and I quote, my dear, when we allow people like Richard Skipper in the Cabaret Convention, What's next? Plate spinners and jugglers? You <laughs> mean it as a put down. Right, but right. I have embraced it because I've spent my entire life spinning plates and juggling. And plate spinners and jugglers, their sole purpose is to entertain. Yeah. And so it's an endearment. I embrace it. I thank you, Donald Smith, because you gave me a great title <laughs> and I run with it. Uh, But let's get to our first guest. Uh, Amanda King is going to be appearing on Thursday night. And before we bring her on, 
I'd like to give everyone a little glimpse of who and what she's all about. I'm so excited that she's on the show today. Here she is, Amanda King. right there. I want to get up and dance. <laughs> Me too. So, Amanda, first of all, where did you find that you had that sound? You know, um, I like to tell people that I came to singing later in life. I was a fan of the movie musicals of the 30s and 40s, and uh, I didn't want to be a singer because my mother was a singer, so I was acting, but I've always done musical theater. But I always said, if I could sing the songs that were in these movie musicals the way I felt they should be sung, then I would do it. So I was of a very late age, and I went through a second pu puberty. I like to tell people, if I had balls, they dropped. So I just... <laughs> My voice changed. It became fuller. And I was able to uh, sing, start singing these songs the way I want to sing them. And I just, uh, it's my jam. It's, you know, songs from the 20s to the about 1950, 1951. That is my milieu. And I love it. I love it. So yeah. uh, where did the opportunities begin to happen for you? In San Francisco. Uh, I lived there for 17 years. Um, in 2003, I entered the, uh, what was it, San Francisco Cabaret Competition, um, mm -hmm. and uh, it was run um, by a gentleman named Wayne, oh, I'm forgetting his name, um, anyway, he he ran it, um, I ended up coming in second behind, do you remember Therese Gineco? She oh, performed in New York. Yes, yes, of course I know yes. Therese. So she won that that year, and uh, lovely lady, I miss her. She's a great performer, um, and uh, I came she's in second. Still with us, everybody. Uh, yeah, she's no, I'm sorry. She's just not performing. <laughs> yes, very much alive and well, and um, and so that's kind of how it started. And then um, I, you know, started doing um, 
oh God, what's the man's name? And I can't remember right now. Um, just little cabarets around town. And then I did my very first solo show, um, like around 2007 at New Conservatory Theater. And it was called It's About Damn Time. And uh, yeah, and so there, from there, it just kind of went. And like we were talking about earlier, um, I was one of the last people to perform at the Plush Room before it closed in 2008, 2009. So yeah, I think it was 2009. So, so, yeah. did, so, so did Lizzo st steal that title from you? <laughs> yes, damn it, she did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny that you mention Lizzo's because, you know, my show is based solely on questions from the audience. And someone asked me on, on Sunday's show, who is one of my favorite artists of today? And I said, Lizzo, mm -hmm. because I think she's one of the most authentic artists out there. And I said, she stole her, my entire act from me. <laughs> so she, you know, she but, really is amazing, yeah. So, you know, it, it's one thing to be in the comfort of, and, and it is comfortable to be in that community of San Francisco. Uh, mm -hmm. And I loved that uh, cabaret community in San Francisco. But to step outside of that bubble and to start reaching out into the country and start performing in various places, how were you able to make that jump to jump out of San Francisco and start performing around the country? Um, it really, it was the help of you know, with people from San Francisco, um, the first time I performed outside of San Francisco was the Mabel Mercer Cabaret uh, Convention. And uh, and there are people on the board, Ron Cohn, Bill Lanise, you know, that helped yeah. me get a shot. And uh, I met Donald Smith. I think it was, um, I did it 2010, 2011, I think, or 2011, 2012. I can't remember. But Donald was still alive. And um, now, I will and I explain to Donald Smith. I was performing as Carol Channing. And Donald Smith did not feel that that was appropriate for the cabaret convention. He was very so, particular about what he thought. I know. Yes. <laughs> so that's what it was all about. So. Yes, he was a, he was a purist. And, and that begs the question, what is cabaret? How do we define, quote, cabaret? Well, if you look at Merriam-Webster, I think it just says cabaret is intimate performance. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, I think that's, you know, but... Yes, everybody has their own idea of what cabaret is. And I have kind of transitioned into jazz, but I still do cabaret because I'm very much about the story behind the music. And I like to convey that. It's also the theatrical part of me that I can't help, you know? And so jazz musicians tell me sometimes, well, you're not really jazz because you're too much about, you know, the words and not the music and really diving deep. And I try to do both, but... You know, it, it is what it is. I mean, but a lot of our standards, you know, are pop music, but then they became jazz, you know, so how do we marry it? It's like it's our convoluted American history all in one. You know, it's like if you look at the birth of jazz it you know, it was African-Americans. It was um, it was, you know, all kinds of cultures, um, you know, contributing to this a very American art form. Um, and, you know, these songs translated well because they were so well written into different genres of music. So what do you do? <laughs> well, you, just, you know, uh, and Judy, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it really is a double-edged sword mm -hmm. because like with everything else, when you begin to put labels on things, uh, people want to pigeonhole what things are and what they are not. Mm -hmm. And uh, it becomes a niche market. Uh, cabaret is, uh, you know, I've seen Liza Minnelli uh, in a huge arena, able to hold a huge arena in the palm of her hands. Mm -hmm. And that to me is still cabaret, not mm -hmm. to take a, you know, the title of one of her most iconic movies, uh, but it's still that very same thing. Uh, Shirley Bassey, uh, Diana Ross, Madonna, it's all cabaret. Uh, right. Being able to perform in that arena, if you're able to have that connection with the audience, to me, that is what cabaret is. It's being able to take a very quiet moment and own it. Um, right. I'll give you another example of uh, what I mean by taking a very quiet moment. And that's a segue into our next entertainer. Uh, here she is.
Karen Mason. When it all comes true, just the way you planned, it's funny, but the bells don't ring. It's a quiet thing when you hold the world in your trembling hand. You'd think you'd hear a choir sing. It's a quiet thing. There are no Karen Mason, and that, of course, is from Karen Mason's incredible Candor and <laughs> show, which will be at Birdland this Monday night. I saw it the last time, and Karen, it is truly one of the best cabaret shows oh. I've ever seen, bar none. And wow, well, thanks. It's true. Thank you. Well, you know That's great music. Too. I mean, what Amanda was saying, you know, I mean, when you have great music, you find your way into it. You find your heart into it. And for me, Candor and Ebb have always been pretty easy for my heart to find. And they're also very much a part of the trajectory of your career. Yeah, they, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. They, <laughs> I wish they had been more of a trajectory of my career. I would have liked to have been in all of their shows, but unfortunately, they did not ask me. So I got to be in And the World Goes Round, and that was the first time I got to meet them. And they are very special human beings. So John is still around writing. John Kander has a, a, a new show coming out called New York, New York, that he's writing with Lin-Manuel Miranda. So at the age of 95. And there's a song in the show that I sang in my last show. So I was the first one to sing this one of their songs. Which is what? Uh, it's called Chewing For Me Now. It was in my last show that Jay Rogers directed uh, before anyone. So I beat it to Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> you were the pre-Broadway tryout. I did a pre-Broadway tryout. So I'm very excited about that. And uh, if it had not been for Cantor and Ebb, we probably would not have had you on roller skates. Yes. And that is a moment that most people... Um, if you if you didn't see me on roller skates, I, I I'm so sorry because it truly would have changed your life. <laughs> that that was a moment that um, you know five actors who <laughs> who all said yeah sure we'll be on roller skates for that number and it closed Act One and I was stand there were people well you know people who are dancers have a totally different sense of body mm -hmm. and they can do all of these things that the rest of us struggle with and so we had two really great dancers and then three what i like to call personality movers 
in mm -hmm. the show and uh, myself being among them. And uh, on opening night, I was standing, I was on the end and standing next to Bob Cuccioli, another personality mover. And we were doing a kick line on the balls of the stoppers of the skates. They were the old skates. And I could feel Bob going back and forth and back and forth. And I thought, uh oh, oh, Lordy. <laughs> oh, this is it. And he, of course, went back on the, the, the wheels. I went back on my wheels, but because I was on the end, I went straight up and flat down. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that was opening night. The director actually came up to me and said, do you think you could do that eight times a week? <laughs> like, uh, no. <laughs> so, Karen, you have been very, very fortunate that you have been able to bridge, uh, to go back and forth between doing both Broadway and cabaret. And going back to Judy's question, how do you define cabaret? Well, actually, I loved Amanda's uh, Merriam-Webster definition of what is it, an intimate? Intimate performance. Intimate performance. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, and intimate doesn't mean that it has to be ballads or, you know, it doesn't have to be any of that. What it has to be is a personal communication, mm -hmm. whether it's through another character, whether it's through, <laughs> you know, I mean, you're doing... Carol Channing was an intimate performance mm -hmm. because right. you were, you, you know, you were speaking through her almost as yourself, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, it, I think that's what is challenging for a lot of people is making that personal connection is right. allowing yourself to be exposed in that way. That's why, you know, it's, it, it's so for many reasons, ridiculous that they're trying to stop drag shows because <laughs> drag shows are cabaret. So if you're going to stop drag shows, what's what, you know, what, what is next? What's next? Wouldn't that also stop cabaret? Might that not also, you know, uh, influence uh, if somebody happens to be transgender, you know, because if the law is saying, you know, wearing, you know, clothing of the opposite sex is the way it's written. That's crazy. I mean, right. you know, it's crazy. crazy, but it's not impossible or, you know, I mean, no, they could outlaw songs from the 30s or 40s. Right. You know, they could say no more show tunes. I mean, exactly. anything is possible if we start doing that, Nothing. if yeah. we start allowing that to happen. Yeah. No. Uh, well, the interesting thing is, and that's a whole other show that we could uh, delve into, uh, but the fact of the matter is the drag queen issue is not really about the drag performance. Last night I was watching an old uh, Dame Edna show oh. and nothing was funnier than Dame Maybe Edna. Right. Nothing was more tame than Dame Edna. Uh, she had Liza Minnelli on the show and uh, his, 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 go and watch it. It's on YouTube. It's hysterical. And when you look at the history of drag, with Jim Bailey and Charles Pierce and all of these great drag artists who did this over and over and over again. Um, it wasn't about the drag. This is really an issue about uh, LGBTQ more than it is about drag right now. And yeah. that's the big issue that they are pushing uh, right now. But again, that's a whole other show. But Karen is absolutely right. Once you start saying that there's something wrong with this, Mm -hmm. um, what if they want to outlaw uh, people with red hair on stage? Right. Or, right. You know, then Whatever. it becomes a real problem. And if we don't stand up for it, it becomes an issue across the board. Um, well, I think it would be very talk... interesting. Oh, Go ahead. If, they ever, if someone ever starts boycotting, you know, like strange fruit, because, you know, people in the audience feel uncomfortable about you know the lyrics of that song, that would be that would be something. You know, I think that would put people. Florida um, is very on, close to that, Amanda. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> but well, I think that would put more people on edge. You know, it's like it's like really you're right. going to start talking to me about the lyrics of my songs. Oh, okay. Then let's start delving into some real pop music and the stuff that's going on today. And you know, it's like where does the line end? And then there's no blurring. 
you know, there's, there's no end. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about this month because this is cabaret month and uh, it, you know, and it traditionally used to open March and you remember when it uh, yeah. began with the Bistro Awards and it would end with the Mac Awards. Right. Uh, well, things have gotten a little mixed up and things are a little off schedule, but it still happens. And the Bistro Awards are coming up. And I want to give a little shout out uh, to the Bistro Awards uh, that are coming up on Monday, April 17th. But endearing, uh, enduring, endearing, well, endearing <laughs> too. Endearing and enduring. Enduring artistry. <laughs> uh, Daryl Sherman is getting a special award. And she certainly deserves it. Uh, she's one of my favorite uh, people in the business. And uh, you're going to see a little bit of why. Here Yay. she is. He is the greatest thing to come out of Rhode oh, Island. Oh, oh. <laughs> Rhode Island is famous for Blossom Deary. Thank um, you. Thank you. Hello, Daryl. It's good to see well, you. Well, I could never edit myself like that anymore. Although I, I couldn't edit myself then either. <laughs> you know, of course, that was a splicer. Well, first of all, congratulations on the Bistro Award. Oh, oh, thank you. You know, it's funny because years ago, there was always this controversy. Is it the Bistro Award or is it the Bistro Award? And years ago, I, I accepted the award on behalf of Carol Channing. And uh, uh, she said, it depends on what side of the street you're on. <laughs> <laughs> some say Bistro, some say Bistro. Do you say Bistro or Bistro? I say, by the way, you know, Carol Channing looked a lot like you. <laughs> That's true. The older I get, it's cool. <laughs> Who cares about Bistro Bistro? We got to talk yes. about Carol Channing. No, but um, I think I like Bistro because I like those wide sounds. Yes. And, and phrases. So, um, Daryl, how did you find out that you were getting the Bistro Award? I got an email. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and and I've known Sherry for a long time. I never get to see her, uh, but it really never even occurred to me that uh, I would get a, a bistro work mm -hmm. since I've 
I had one well, it was a long time ago, but uh, but she and um, I think a couple of other people had something to do with it. And somebody must have seen me recently and said, look what what's happening to Daryl. She's breaking things. Look at this. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh no. What happened? Yeah. That's not good. Fascinating finger to break, Daryl. Yeah, right. Just got to tape up her fingers. <laughs> How has that affected the playing? something about this. It's time. Um, Daryl, how has that affected the playing? Um, well, it hasn't because I've had to stop playing for a while. Oh, I didn't actually, because I've been doing, this has been such a godsend. Uh, just after the pandemic, a colleague of mine who'd been playing for almost 20 years, a wonderful stride jazz player, uh, had an atrium called uh, Park Avenue Plaza. I used to go to hear him all the time. Um, people would pass by, people would have lunch, and people who knew him would come and he'd play a concert for them. And anything could go. Well, he passed away, and uh, I had filled in from, for him from time to time, and they asked me to, to try it out. So it's been a year later. Uh, but um, well, I don't want to tell you all the circumstances of how this thing happened. But later, I'll tell you lots of stories between that and being hit, bitten by a horse and having gone to Bellevue Hospital for five rabies shots. It's been an exciting one. Oh, my God. <laughs> how I got the Bistro oh. Award. <laughs> it's making a B-E-A-S-T row, the Bistro yeah. having wow. been bitten Ooh. by a horse. But yeah. before I forget, Karen... I was listening to you and it was just, well, it's not an accident because I love to listen to WNYC on the weekends, particularly because uh, a lot of us get played and I've been played on that station almost every day, but your Don't Rain on My Parade Aww. was wonderful. And, and for me, and I just I noticed the same the same special thing that you do, I like to call it putting italics on a word in whatever special way you as the singer can do. All those phrases, don't tell me how to run. I want Not every single one, but if you listen to it, at the very last word, you put it in italics, maybe whisper it, you take it apart. And huh. it suddenly just makes you hear it and see it in such a lovely way. And oh, it's such you. a nice way of breaking the wonderful monotony of, of <laughs> yeah. the song. But you did it again today um, on what we heard. What was the song today? Today was a quiet thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is, doesn't have as much to it but um oh thanks that's the one right it's a quiet thing oh but in the bridge you did something there and then i don't hear the band i don't hear the stuff Okay, all right, let's see. Tiptoes. <laughs> oh. Happiness comes in on your tiptoes. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you probably do master classes where you teach that because it's an important thing. And each person has to discover how his or her voice can get a different kind of tone, put a little wink on it, yeah, extend right. it, or shorten it. And you did all of those, particularly on Parade. Oh, thank you. Wow. Thanks, Carol, so I mean, much. I've always thank been you. a fan of yours. Thank you. Back and you're from you. Chicago. I like that, too. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to ask you, Daryl, are you going to be able to perform at the Bistro Awards? You know what? Sherry doesn't know about this, but I guess she, oh, she does now. I bet she, she does now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, no, this is from, I went into this, to, to Park Avenue Plaza after 
they put the uh, the stint on me, and I oh. I wanted to see if I could play and how I could play because I've got these five fingers, which I usually do. I've got do do re baba, you know, so so I can go baba. Well, actually, this is called a buddy strap. This is pretty cool because this finger didn't get dislocated, but it was still banged up, so it's kind of treated like it's a little partner. So I had three fingers and I could go I mean so I could play stuff like that. But then one of the staff who you would think is like the least likely person to mention or notice anything, I call him the chimney sweep because he usually has this big broom, comes over to me and he says, Daryl, you shouldn't be here. I'm so concerned for you. I know about this because my mom is a nurse. You think that you can move those fingers and be okay, but you're straining all of your hand right here. Wow. Brilliant, huh? I said, thank you, doctor. So I'm going back in a week. They said I could go back and play, and I'll probably have to wear this. Wow. Um, but I think by the time the, uh, the the 17th, I think I'll be okay. Well, I oh, and I'm, and I'm, I really, I can now tell everybody it was my wish that I would do um, one of the songs that uh, was one of my greatest achievements to work of an arrangement with my bassist, Boots Mallison. Mm. And I had wanted to play it of A Hundred Million Miracles. Oh, we wow. did a, it's one of our, our uh, most popular recordings is the Richard Rogers Centennial. Yeah. And um, you remember Daryl Henline? Oh, yes, of um, course. Yeah. Well, and Eric Stephen Jacobs, who's done most of my photos. I, I, I stay home and just send out Eric Stephen Jacobs. Photos. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, he took some great photos. One of them for Flower Drum Song kind of thing was me with my hair up and I wore just like a band, a band kind of tube top and, and bare shoulders. So, so it looked like, and as Daryl Headline said, Daryl, you can't use that for your cover. It looks like a cheap calendar. <laughs> <laughs> well, but a uh, hundred million miracles is what I wanted to play. And, uh, uh, it would be a miracle if my fingers were up to it. Because oh, we well, I'm gonna I'm gonna send positive thoughts that that's what's gonna you. happen. But uh, I'll I'll find something. In fact, I'm, I'm well. I, I'm not supposed to say what I'm gonna play, but it'll be something that my fingers know well. Yeah. Well, for those who don't know, the the wonderful thing about the Beast Rewards is all the recipients already know that they have won. Everyone's a winner, and there is no competition. Uh, you've been called, you've been uh, acknowledged beforehand. Karen, I'm sure you also have, uh, you know, at least uh, one, maybe more uh, Bistro Awards. Um, the first time that you got a call that you won the Bistro Award uh, and what that experience is like for you, that acknowledgement, it's not something that you're competing for. Right. You get a call. Uh that you're gonna be a part of this evening. And it's all exciting because everyone's there uh, cheering you on. It's the critics who choose, which yes. I think is, I think that makes it really special, you mm -hmm. know? So you you feel like people who have seen a lot of cabaret mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. choosing you out of, and it, it is, it's lovely. Yeah, it's lovely. Congratulations. Thank you. I wanna to talk to each of you about your process. And I'll start with you, Amanda. Um, how do you prepare um, when you, you have a show uh, coming up Thursday night? What is your day like leading up to your performance? <laughs> uh, it varies. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm a single mom. So depending on where I am, uh, sometimes there's kid stuff to do. Uh, usually I'm running around. Do like, your kids be with you head. in Washington? Uh, no, 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 no. He is he is now 16 and okay. able to be boarded. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I'm lucky that uh, I have support from his father and my mother and other people. So, and, and also he's still going to be in school. Like right now it's spring break. So, um, but uh, so, you know, it's, um, he will not be with me in Washington and he's missing out because my brother lives there. So he's, he wants to be there because he could hang out with his uncle, but it ends up actually being, and I hate to say this because this is the continual struggle of being a mom and being an entertainer. Like, Hey, I want to be with my kids, but oh my God, I'm so glad I'm able just to focus on, you know, this right now, you know, and not have to do a million other things. But my typical process is that um, I do a lot of research on my shows. So the show I'm doing in DC um, is called uh, Lost Women Forgotten Songs. And it's going to highlight um, women entertainers who a lot of people don't know about as well as feature some um, what I like to call lost gems of song, um, just gorgeous songs that I have found through various sources that I've not heard a lot or any other people sing. But like the women I'm going to feature, uh, one of them is Blanche Calloway, who is Cab Calloway's wow. older sister. And she's the reason, uh, yeah, Daryl, I'm sure you know her. Um, she's the reason that um, Cab got into entertainment because he was in law school. Um, I'll talk about the latest show who was um, called Little Lewis because she was like the best female trumpeter of her time. And Louis Armstrong called her um, L- Little Louie and she was called the queen of the trumpet. I'll talk about Mildred Bailey, you know. Yay! Um, that's yes, fine. love Mildred <laughs> Bailey. As well as uh, Mae Carlisle, who was a protege and some say mistress of Fast Waller. So, <laughs> so I do a lot of research. And then I'm always, um, sorry, my stupid headphones are falling out. Um, I, uh, I do a lot of research and I'm always double checking my facts because as I get older, I get more crazy and forgetful. And so I'm always mixing things up about people. So I try not to do that. Um, but what is your day like leading up to the actual performance itself? Oh, you mean like when I wake up that morning, like literally yes. what my yes. day is like? Yes. Uh, okay, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. So this time it will be that I will wake up. Um, I will probably... Uh, make breakfast, um, move my brother's cats out of my way because I'll be staying at his place. And he's got four cats. He's a single guy with four cats, ladies. Okay, this is all I'm Good. saying about my brother. Like, <laughs> and he will remain a single guy. <laughs> no, he actually, he actually has a lovely girlfriend, but um, he just, he, he brought the cats over from Tokyo, believe it or not. He's a Marine and he would not leave these dang cats. And they're the best. So we're always trying to steal his cats. And he always has to check our bags when we leave his house because he's like, you're not stealing my damn cats. But we love his cats. Japanese cats are different. I don't know what happens to them, but anyway. Um, so I'll get the cats out of my way, uh, decongest, and um, you know, just uh, get over there early. I'll probably rehearse. I think I'm supposed to have a, mac- a master class uh, early in the day, which will be one of my first master classes. I've taken a bunch. I've learned great things from Marilyn May in her master classes. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm prepared to impart the wisdom that I have. Uh, on That's Marilyn May calling her now. So, you know, it'll just be a chill day. I, I try and chill out, you know, because I, I, I can get very nervous. And um, I lose lyrics when I get nervous. And so I forget lyrics. And so, and that freaks me out. And so I'm a perfectionist. Like you were talking about imposter syndrome earlier. And I recently discovered that. And perfectionism is one of those symptoms of imposter syndrome. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's so tough what we do to ourselves, you know, as artists. Um, and we don't even realize it, you know. Um, and, you know, everyone ha- always says, oh, if you make a mistake, no one's going to notice. In cabaret, they notice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Half the people out there know the lyrics better than you do, okay? So, <laughs> so I just like to give the best performance that I can and also be true to the lyrics because that's the most important thing. I don't I don't like it really when people start replacing lyrics, the original lyrics, you know? Um, that's just me. I'm just like, well, the verse is there for a reason. If you don't want to sing it, then don't sing it, but don't change it. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so that's me, you know? But anyway, so that's going to be my day. Very chill. All right. <laughs> and Karen... Monday, you're going to be at Birdland. I'll reiterate that again. Um, what is your typical day like leading up to your show Monday night? Uh, we don't have cats, okay. so I don't have to displace the cats. No cats are displaced in this picture. But I have basically the same type of day um, as Amanda. I very chill, 
I, you know, quiet, no phone, try to stay off the phone, try to not do much of anything and, and just, you know, have a good breakfast, take care of myself, go to the gym, um, go through the show. Cause I, yeah, lyrics, lyrics and patter. I like to have, you know, especially lyrics. I like to have very solid in my head. So, um, cause I, I get distracted. It's not that I forget. I start looking at someone and get distracted by looking at them. And then I have no idea where I am in the song. Um, and so, you know, listen, audiences are very forgiving. If you let them in on the fact that, you know, unless it's a ballad and you're in the very last note and you screw that up and then I'd say, let it go. Karen, all you need to do is start laughing and the audience <laughs> is right there with you. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, listen, they, every, everybody likes the fact that it's a live performance. And yes. they, you know, so there's a, a great deal of forgiveness. But then the rest of my day is just, you know, usually there's a sound check and you go to that. And then I'm trying to be quiet and put on my makeup and get myself, go through the show again in my head. And, um, try to be as prepared as possible so that when you're heading to the stage, you know, just that, okay, I know it. I go through lyric panic. I don't know if either of you do. I go through first lyric panic and I usually have to ask Chris or somebody, what is the first lyric of this song? Yeah. Yeah. Because once I'm there, my brain is fine, but it's that first it's like the door is kind of like, okay, well, is it going to open all the way? Yes, yeah, somebody's going to have to help you. This summer, I went, uh, uh, Jana Robbins, her mom, who has since passed away, but it was her 100th oh. birthday. Oh. And I was asked to sing at her birthday party. And I had not sung anywhere in ages. Wow. And I got up to sing a song that I had done a million times. And I could not remember one lyric. <laughs> and I made up all the lyrics. Nice. I, mean, I apologize, Amanda. I made up all the lyrics. <laughs> Did they rhyme, though, Richard? Because that's all they I, I hit all the notes. The audience was like, oh, my God, you know, he can sing. You know, it was <laughs> they weren't like doing this. I was hitting, but I was making lyrics up. And I came to the and uh, Jerry Herman never wrote any of those lyrics. And, <laughs> but I came to the table and I went, what did I just do? Yeah. It was, it was horrible. I just kept going. It was like, I didn't stop. I just kept going. I just got through they it. They probably thought you had written it very specially for Janice's mom. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So Daryl, with you, I, uh, you have, I mean, you've done uh, set shows and then you do a lot of evenings where you are at the piano. When you are doing an evening, when you are in a lounge or something, are those shows set as well? Or do you do songs as the mood strikes you? I mean, how are those evenings set for you? Um, through the years when I had hotel, all these hotel gigs, even the Waldorf, uh, I'll always, I always have take some music with me if somebody requests. But so those are not set shows. And um it's my own human jukebox. Hmm. But in later years, um, and I, I really am grateful for the experience. I came to New York in 1974. My father was a musician. He played on weekends in a, in a band in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, where people danced and they played all the great standards and even the pop songs of the day and even Burt Backrack. And when I was old enough to, uh, uh, to behave, I would get to sit in. So I knew about that, but that was also still almost background. It wasn't a show. And so I started playing and singing here in New York and getting work all over the place. But when cabaret started to really hit its stride, lots of those clubs uptown, uh, I, this was new to me. And all the drama, I was fascinated by it. Um, I was a little put off by some of it, but I was really enchanted by, as you talked about, uh, 
telling a story. I was also lucky enough to get to know Sylvia Sims, who still in my ears is saying to me, stop listening to the sound of your voice. Pick a good song, and that song will get you through. And just uh, find whatever the, the uh, for you, the, the whole point of this song, the, 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 the main uh, wow moment, and build that from that. And then I got to see everybody from Chris Conner to Judy Creston and Jen at Jen mm. Then I got to play at Jen Wellman's. Mm. And it was so much fun. Uh, I played for myself. I, I went through a hat phase. They thought that was so cute. I started writing songs. Uh, Judy, Judy Creston with those fingernails. I mean, I've never seen mm. like that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um. And then being able to go to the Oak Room to hear everybody, that was a great eye-opener. So, yes, in later years, I love, and I love songs. I used to belong to the Sheet Music Society. But that then, instead of nice and calm, like you're representing yourself because all your work has been done, I'm always last minute, Charlie, because there's still some other song that might work better than this one oh. or that's so wonderful because of that chord change and that what that says here or what i want to say in theme of blah 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 so i live in a small apartment the same one there's music scattered everywhere and even on the day of the gig it's all over me and i put the sets together on the floor and put them in order and Sometimes I'm actually ready and can rehearse a little bit, but it's usually a panic. <laughs> that, uh, that was actually my next question. Were <laughs> any of you still ever get anxiety attacks um, prior to performing? Um, uh, only time for that was in all the, those cabaret conventions. <laughs> I used to be in all of them, and the, you know, the first one was the best and the easiest. I didn't know what it was about. Uh, John Smith called me. They were doing this cabaret convention. Would you do a song? Well, I'm working at the Sheraton, and well, can you can you can you put me in between my break? Of blah blah blah. And um, Rex Reed was, I think, that time he was the MC, and I got there ten minutes before I was to go on. They introduced me. I went on there. I did my song, and then I went back to the hotel. It was the best I ever was, and then it was downhill. <laughs> Your whole life—you're sitting in that room. I'm sitting in a room next to, uh, um, oh God, I, I can. I, how could I forget the woman who sings cats every night? Betty Buckley. Yeah, Betty Buckley is sitting cross-legged in her chair. And she was sitting next to you. Doing, you know, just sitting there quietly. I'm trying to fix my hair. I'm trying to remember how does a song start, just like you mentioned. How does <laughs> how does a oh my god, I can't remember that other I'm going nuts. And my voice gets all dry. Uh and then suddenly, Betty, five minutes, it's right my finish. She gets up, she goes like this, she puts, she takes this. Schmata off and she puts on a nice jacket. Okay, Betty, here we go. She runs out on the stage. I mean, right there. It's all there. I could wow. never do that. Wow. I could never do that. So, so it sounds like though Amanda and Karen, you both also sort of said yes when, when I asked about whether you still get anxiety attacks. Oh, yes. Yeah. I don't think it's debilitating to the point of I can't go on and I can't go on because I do love being on stage. It's just that there's like a time period. It's like um, walking through one of the who's like in a science fiction, you know, walking through the door into the this gaping, the black hole that's going to lead into the stage. And it's 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 a yeah. transformation thing, you know, that, yeah, I'm nervous and excited. And boy, do I hope it goes well. And I do. I hope I don't screw things up. But you get out there and it's like, pff, okay, 
whatever's going to happen I happens. Once, once you start, you're okay. Right. Once I start, and I'm sure you know, I I, I'm sure both it. these ladies feel mm -hmm. that way too. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I feel it's the magic of show business. You know, it's like <laughs> you could have the most horrible tech going back to musical theater you know your tech is crazy you think the show is s-h-i-t and you're like god i don't know what's going to happen someone's <laughs> going to die and you get out there and it's like the greatest experience ever you know mm -hmm. so i usually say if my sound check is great i get more worried for the show <laughs> so because, yeah, because it's usually when i have a horrible sound check and i'm left like almost in tears like oh my god what am i doing what am i doing that i honestly go out there and i just say f it and um, yeah, and we go on and we go on. Someone told me a great story once that, um, and I can't remember who the star was, but they were about to go on and a star, a big star was backstage and they were literally just standing there shaking. And I'm not going to drop the F-bomb, but they were saying F-bomb, F-bomb, F it, F it, F it, F it, F it, and then walked out on stage and it was brilliant. <laughs> so like they just- Judy Garland used to Judy do Garland, that. I was going to say Judy Garland used Garland. to do that. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so I was just like, that's perfect. Cause it's kind of like, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. So one of the things I had to learn just real quickly is to be okay with me messing up, you know, because like mm -hmm. I said, my perfectionist syndrome. And so now if I miss a note, if I forget a lyric, I just kind of laugh it off and I go, eh, meh, 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 and I keep going. <laughs> right. Just, just because, tell yourself, yeah. don't say anything that's biologically impossible. <laughs> Biologically, I'll tell you, uh, you know, we're going to run out of time. I'll share you with Carol in Washington, D.C. Thank God I don't have to worry about this now. But I, uh, I got a phone call as we were getting ready to leave for Washington. So Danny said, I'll go and get gas and then I'll come back and get you. So he comes back and he says, you're ready? And I said, yes, we get in the car. It's pouring rain. It's a monsoon. We're driving to Washington. We're two and a half hours into our trip. And I went, oh, my God, I forgot to pack my costumes. <laughs> and it's oh. not like I could just walk into some place and pick up something to wear on stage. Oh, God, right. <laughs> oh. We had to turn yeah, around. That's the worst. We had to turn around. We had to come back. We got our costumes. I called the venue. I said, I don't have time for a sound check. I don't have time. Uh, I, I literally, in the dark of the car, was putting my makeup on God. in a little makeup mirror on the visor. And I literally walked in and did the show that night. I didn't, I didn't have time to get nervous. Right. I didn't have time oh, to yeah. get any Sometimes it's better. I just walked mm -hmm. in, got into the dressing room, got dressed and walked on and did the show. I love all of you. Um, I'm going to give each of you a chance to have your final word today. It could be about anything that we spoke about today that you want to build upon anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message that you want to leave everyone with today. Um, I will start with you, Amanda, then Karen, then Daryl, and Judy, you will have the final word today. But uh, I want to remind everyone that Amanda will be at uh, Capital Cabaret at Crazy Aunt Helen's on Thursday night. Uh, you can go to Crazy Aunt Helen's uh, website and order your tickets uh please you already saw the clips it's going to be an amazing show karen mason will be at birdland on monday night daryl sherman on april 17th will be receiving the bistro award and uh i know that she's going to be performing and she's going to blow the roof off the place i'm manifesting it right now uh and i don't know where judy will be performing next <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be there. And if you're available, tell your friends uh, on Saturday night, I will be at Crazy Ann Helens. Uh, so Carol Channing once said that in order for a show to succeed, you need people from all walks of life. You need housewives. You need doctors. You need lawyers. Mm -hmm. You need everyone sitting in the audience, sharing in the collective experience of what's going up there on mm. stage. I'm sure Amanda and Karen and Daryl, we all love being on stage. But for me, it's not just about me, it's about the audience. It's all about you. Uh, it's great doing what we're doing right now virtually, but there's nothing like those people in the audience. Mm -hmm. And I am so glad that I can see faces again and those faces looking back at me, it's the greatest thrill in the world.
As I always end all my shows, uh, our shows, I always say go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. If you can't go see a live show, and if you're able to treat a friend, buy a ticket for a friend. Treat them. Uh, you know, it takes very little effort. If you have friends in any of the cities where you know any of these, Ziggy, stop. My device just went off. If you have friends performing in any of these, <clears throat> send your friends. Let them know about it. Uh, you don't know that they're going to go or not, but at least let them know about it. Pick up the phone, call someone you haven't spoken to in a while, and let them know how they've made a difference in your life. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, a phone call. My dear friend Sean Moniker always says, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different sized boats. And I always say, some people are in yachts, some are in canoes, some are in rafts, some are pushing uh, tugboats upstream. It doesn't matter what size boat you're on, as long as you have a skipper by your side. <laughs> leave the screen. And Amanda, it's all yours. Thank you for being here today. It's yours. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Richard. And uh, I just want to say that for me, um, performing is about sharing the history of people who created this music. Um, and that's why I love talking about people whose names may have been forgotten. So that's what I, that's my jam in life. That's what I love to do uh, through the music. And like we've already talked about, the music itself is timeless and can cross genres. Um, I do want to say one quick thing. Um, I am making my New York re-debut at 54 <laughs> Below on May 19th, because it's been over 10 years since I performed in New York in the solo wow. show. Yeah, so like I said, the kid can be boarded so mama can leave. And uh, so <laughs> May 19th, I'll be at 54 Below uh, doing my um, show about the early years of Ella Fitzgerald um, and through her time with the Chick Webb Orchestra. And I also want to say to Richard, um, and I believe Karen and Daryl, he knows you too, um, a man that I call dad, whose name is Don Berger, and he's a Aww. San Francisco institution. <laughs> Yes, John Berger. Yes, he says hello. And I call him dad because he and my mother are a day apart um, in birthdays, same year. And he's at every one of my shows. And I just can't imagine a San Francisco show without Don Berger. So I love him so much. So um, thank you all very much. It's so wonderful. You two ladies are absolute sensations and divas. And so I'm thrilled to be here today with you. Thank you, Lila. Good luck uh, with yourself. Yeah, oh, yeah, thank you. seriously. What was the date at 54 Below? What was the oh, date at 54 Below? May 19th Great. at 7 p.m. Yeah. I'll be there. Terrific. Okay, and I'll try and be in, in New York on Monday night. There's a train between D.C. and New York. I know there is, oh. so we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so I hear tell, yeah. Um, actually, speaking of Don Berger, on March 26th, I'm going to... We do have to wrap things up, okay? Oh, okay. Can I just say quickly? I will say very quickly. March 26th, I'll be at the Orinda Theater out in Orinda, California, outside of San Francisco. Ooh. Thank you very much, Richard. Thank you, Judy. Thank I you, think Karen. both of you are like wildly, Daryl and, and Amanda, thank you. Okay, Daryl, you're on. Daryl. <laughs> I will be at Birdland August 10th doing a show about Blossom Deary, uh, including Blossom Deary songs, along with Dave Frischberg and Bob Doro, which gives us lots of material. And uh, they have all inspired me. And I want to mention, we. Uh, Richard said, seeing your audience, I particularly like the lighting person to not keep us all in darkness. I like to see their faces when I'm playing. And talking about the muse, when I play mostly with a trio, I like to use guitar, bass, and the guitar gives me a chance sometimes to, to just plink a little note here or there while he's doing the rhythm. But when everything just suddenly gets in a groove and you can you can always feel it and the audience can too that's what they all love about it we have clicked into some other cosmos and the muse has taken over i said to myself i can't believe i'm playing this i can't where did that come from but i'm going to shut up and let it happen and that that is the shot in the arm that keeps us all going. All Whether right. you're an instrumentalist or a singer, and uh, 
So thanks for sharing with all of us. Bye-bye. Thank you. So sing your own song, tell your own story, because as the saying goes, life is a cabaret, my friend. Life is a cabaret. We'll see you in two weeks.